Hello, this is Reverend Eric Hikimeko. I'm glad to come to you through this medium. As you listen to the word of God today, I pray that you will be impacted, your life will be transformed, and you experience God. Kingdom blessings. Before we go into the word, that I want you to understand is that the ministry is about people. So as you come to church, it's not just about the infrastructure, but as you come to church and see your life progressing, then you should know that there's something in that church that is working in your life. And I believe that this church has got the presence of God that is able to transform lives, change lives, uplift people, and make them what God has intended from the very beginning of the foundations of the world for them to be. Amen. Shall we please bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father, we are grateful to you this morning. We thank you for your divine grace, mercy, and favor that you have made available to us this morning. We thank you, O God, that in this conference you have already taken preeminence and control and that all that will be done here this morning, tomorrow night, and every other evening till next Sunday will be under your control and that all things that will be done will uplift your people, build them up, bring them to the place of instruction, empower them to take steps that will move them from the place of low estate to a place of high estate. We honor and we bless you. We ask that let your presence prevail. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. There is a song that is in my spirit. Now I want the choir to help me to sing it. And then after that we'll read out, we'll take our reading from Isaiah chapter 42 and I'll read from verse 1 to 3. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. Because of war,
change the song. Ah. Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lamb that was slain. Hill song. Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus died and rose again. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flask he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Amen. Now, when you look at this scripture very, very well, and I would want to be as brief as possible so we can have time in the presence of God. When you look at this scripture very well, this is a prophetic message about the coming Messiah given by Isaiah for almost 500 years before Jesus Christ himself was born. And it sets out what his ministry, the nature of his ministry, his style of ministry was going to be like. And uh, one of the things that stands out uh, from that particular scripture, apart from the fact that God has anointed him, God has elected him, God has prepared him for his messianic ministry and work, his style of ministry was also given by God based on the enablement that God gave him. And the Bible says that he, his, he will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. It talks about gentleness, some level of gentleness with the ministry and the kind of ministry he's going to give out to humanity. He talks about a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. In fact, what the Bible is just talking about in terms of the nature and the, and the kind of a style of ministry that Jesus was going to bring forth as this man is born into the world is a ministry of being gentle with people and being emotionally intelligent. And uh, I know this week, this last past Wednesday, you had a whole exposition on emotional intelligence and how that applies in the workplace and in different areas of life. But I just want to bring another side, a perspective to this that I believe that uh, would help us in our work with God and with one another so that we can build ourselves up. One of the things that we don't see these days is that there's too much unnecessary competition that goes on even sometimes in church, in ministries, and amongst people. And because of that, we are unable to harness the potential, the abilities, the giftings, and the skills that God has given to each other, be tolerant of it, in order for us to, be able to tap into each other what they bring on board to benefit us. One of the things that you have to bear in mind, and I think this is quite fundamental and basic, is the fact that we all don't live for ourselves. 
You live because of me and I live because of you. That is how God created us. We are supposed to be interdependent. You carry something that is not meant for your own aggrandizement and for your own benefit, but you carry something on your life that is supposed to be of benefit to me. And I carry something on my life that is supposed to be of benefit to you. But if we don't learn how to relate to one another and understand and be accepting and be tolerant and be open-hearted to one another, then we would forfeit this grace, this blessing, this honor that God can use someone else to bring into your life. Remember that it was even said of Jesus Christ that in Nazareth he couldn't work miracles. Why? Because they were saying that we have known this boy from his youth. Is this not a carpenter's son, Joseph, the man, that old man that lives around the corner? And because of that, the Bible says that he could not work any miracles. It was just because the people were not emotionally intelligent. They were not smart emotionally. To be able to understand the fact that in spite of the fact that you might have grown up with a person, in spite of the fact that he might have been raised, you might have just seen him probably in his boxes when he was young, walking about and going up and down. But a time comes that you have to acknowledge that God places something on the life of someone that is not for the benefit of the person, but for you. And so we need that kind of understanding. And that was the kind of intelligence that Jesus possessed. Jesus' ministry and star was supposed to be a ministry that was approached with so much gentleness and so much emotional intelligence. When we talk about emotional intelligence, we are talking about recognizing and understanding your own emotions and approaching other people on that same basis. So, because you understand your own emotions and recognize your own emotions, your human frailties and your weaknesses and how sometimes on the basis of something that people won't understand, you take certain steps and do some things in ways that people don't understand. You have to also bring that to bear that sometimes people do things that they don't even understand why they have done the things that they have done. And when you come to that level, you are able to relate to people, minister to people, be of benefit to people, they can equally be able to minister to you. But the moment we start categorizing people, putting people into holes and into forms, then we forfeit our ability to tap into what they carry to bring into our lives. I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell him or her, I am blessed to have you here. Jesus' ministry was approached with so much emotional intelligence. And I'm going to give you one demonstration of how he did it. Turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 4. It's a very lengthy scripture, but until we read everything, you wouldn't understand it. John chapter 4 from verse 5 to 30, I read. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. But the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, 
Whoever drinks of this water will test again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never test. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they were marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you see? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Amen. Now, when you read the scripture, There are different ways by which you can read this scripture and and miss the truth in this particular story or this particular encounter of the woman with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was very emotionally intelligent because he had the ability to recognize his own emotions and and, and how to appropriate his own behavior towards others, also recognizing and understanding their emotions. And now... One of the things that you have to understand about emotional intelligence is that it is all about you coming to a place to understand yourself and then trying as much as possible to also understand others on the basis of how you understand yourself. To begin with, you are not perfect. I am not perfect. And so if I do anything wrong, I expect you to be a bit more lenient in your understanding it is the same thing that Jesus demonstrated in the, in, in, when they brought this woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus didn't do much. All that he said was that he who has not sinned cast the stone. He didn't say who has not committed adultery because Jesus knew adultery was not the only sin. So he said, he who has not committed any sin cast the first stone and look that way and see whether anyone will cast a stone. By the time the Bible says he lifted up and said everyone was gone. It was not because Jesus was condoning the act of the woman, but Jesus, being emotionally intelligent, wanted the people to know that why can't you see this woman or see yourself in this woman and be able to relate to this woman at the level that you would want to be related to. So no wonder Jesus said that one of the greatest commandments is that you must love your neighbor as yourself. That is being emotionally intelligent. Long before John Meyer and Peter Salovoy in their first peer-reviewed journal where they talked about and theorized uh, emotional intelligence in 1987, before Daniel Goleman popularized it in the book he published in 1995, Jesus Christ has demonstrated emotional intelligence at this point with this woman at the well. 
Jesus realized that in spite of the fact that the woman's response to her was very sarcastic, cheeky, rude, and outright insulting. You see, when you wouldn't understand it except you have a historical background because the woman was talking out of a place of pain. She was talking out of a place of rejection, a place of abandonment, a place of feeling hopeless, useless, and used from two perspectives, historically and personally. Historically, the Jews and the Samaritans never saw eye to eye because, although they were brothers. In fact, Samaria became the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, and Judah became the capital of the southern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom was raided first by the Assyrians, and every one of them were carried out into slavery. When they left that part of Israel, the Assyrian government brought its own people, some of them who were also slaves that had been captured from other parts of the world, to settle in there. The remnants of the Israelites that were left, because the northern kingdom was the land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, who also gave it to Ephraim and Manasseh. So the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, they were supposed to be one people. They were all the sons of Jacob. But because they were raided and carried away, and foreigners were brought in by the, by the invading country, they intermarried with their own kith and kin. And at some point, they despised them. It's just like these days to say the word half-caste is derogatory. You rather want to say mixed race. To say someone as a half-caste is derogatory. So they saw them as half-caste. People who were not purely Jewish people. And for that matter, didn't serve God the way they wanted them to serve God. Because these people, foreigners, also came with their gods. So they worshipped Jehovah God alongside some of these little, little gods that they brought into the upper part of the country at the time. So the tension has always been when the southern kingdom was also raided by Babylon. And after 70 years, they started returning back into the southern kingdom. Then the problem was that these people who were returning from Babylon, who saw themselves as pure Jews, they saw themselves as people who were parents and, and, and three, four generations were really from the descendants of Jacob directly, and there were no intermarriages from any foreign people. They saw themselves superior and looked down on those that were left behind in Samaria at the time. So there has this, there has this been this kind of uh, a historical tension where the southern kingdom and those of the other 11 tribes saw themselves superior to these people who lived in Samaria. So when the woman met Jesus and said that, but what have you and you got to do with me as Samaritan? She, it was not a retort. It was not a, a way of trying to be nice. It was actually rude. It was cheeky, like, you guys look down on us, so why are you not asking me for something? It's like meeting someone who looks down on you, who doesn't regard you, who doesn't respect you, and then you realize that the person needs some form of help from you. So it was a way of trying to insult Jesus and say, that, listen, you guys think you are superior, and now you need help? You need, you do, are you really telling me that you need help? Because you've always seen yourself as being superior to us. You are the pure uh, bread or, or, or the pure uh, Jewish bread. And we are, uh, we, are from, we are a mixed race, sort of. But Jesus, in spite of the fact that this woman engaged her in that manner, she was so much uh, emotionally intelligent. She was able to pick up that this woman 
has been damaged. She was damaged goods and that it wasn't in his place to break her any further. The Bible said in the book of Isaiah 42, it says that a, a, a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoking flax, he will not quench. He was not coming to destroy that which was already destroyed. He was rather coming to lift up that which was destroyed. He was coming to accept those that have been rejected. He was coming to accept those that have been abandoned, those that have been overlooked over time, those that have been written off as, as not, not being anything and cannot become anything important or special. Jesus understood that this woman was broken and that her insult to him was from a place of brokenness, a place of rejection, a place of being wounded, a place where she felt useless, she felt used, she felt a failure, she felt damaged, and it wasn't in his place to destroy her or break him any further. How did he do it? Jesus took a mountaintop perspective of the situation. Be emotionally intelligent. He looked at the woman and probably start thinking of all the things that this woman might have gone through. Apart from the, his, uh, her own historical uh, problems uh, that existed even before probably this woman was born. The cultural tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. She also re he also realized that this woman probably had had so many failed marriages. People might have used her and dumped her. People might have done things to her that has oriented her in a certain way that she was carrying some wounds and pain within her that was looking for an, a way of expressing it. So Jesus did not condemn this woman. Neither was he brutal in his response to this woman, but was open-hearted towards the woman. At some point, he realized that Jesus, in spite of the fact that he was teaching this woman some truth, he was also being jovial while the woman was serious towards her. She said, how are you going to fetch the water? You're talking about living water here. How are you going to fetch the water? How are you going to fetch this water you are talking about? You don't even have anything, and this well is very deep. So how are you going to fetch it? They said, you don't know the one you are talking to. In fact, if you knew the one you are talking to, you would have asked me for living water. Then Jesus stepped up a notch. Because, you see, that man was embodiment of what we call the fivefold ministry. He was embodiment. He was God incarnate. So he said, listen, you have had five husbands. And I believe that that was what shocked the woman. Shocked her. It brought her down. It brought her to come to a point where she began to realize that Jesus was for her and not against her. And probably Jesus asking her for water was not making, 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 making fun of her, so to speak. But it was an opportunity for her to minister, an opportunity for him to minister to her. Jesus realized her antagonistic nature and the persona she has built up towards him was as a result of something that was much bigger than the woman herself. There are things that we have gone through historically that is bigger than you, but you don't even know that the way I act, the way I behave, the way I get angry, my temper, my that, and all the weaknesses I have may have a historical leaning because that is what you have been through. And most of the time, we don't take the, our time to, to look back when we are going through situations and what that can leave with us. I volunteered 
for the Ministry of Justice in the United Kingdom for about six months. They took me to Category C and Category D prisons. Um, C and D, with those in the C, are people who have been in prison sometimes for, these are people who have been committed to life imprisonment with tariffs of sometimes about 45 years. Some of them will die there. I mean, by their age, some of them will die there. I mean, there's no question about it. But these are people who are deemed to be less dangerous and therefore can, can come back. There are people who probably are waiting for parole hearing and there are chances that they could be released uh, on some kind of conditions to go back into society. So we go there, we sit there with them, we allow them to talk, we advise them, we let them know what is going on on the outside world and things like that. Just more or less like a child, like in the form of a council, if you like. Category D are people who are sometimes even allowed to go out. They have tax on their legs, so you can go out probably once a week to your family and come back at a time with a curfew and so on. One day I, I was seated with a group of them, we were having a chat. We were talking about life experiences, and some of them were curious to know that why are you here? I mean, you come all the way, you're a black person, you come all the way from Africa, you came here to work, came here to school, and you said you have done this, you hold a PhD, what are you even doing here in this prison with us? And we're sharing experiences. Then at some point I told them, in, 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 they were, I mean, you meet people, some of them, are, some of the things I can't, I can't say because it, this is going live. But you meet people who have committed heinous crimes. And yet when you sit down with them, they are as nice as anything. And so when I go to those places and I'm coming back, I'm thinking, what happened? What might have gone wrong? What might have just changed? I met this man that killed a wife who has been in prison for 34 years. And he was, he was probably mid-60s to late-60s and told me the story of what happened. He had inherited his parents. They used to live somewhere called Doncaster in the, in the northern part of England and had inherited everything that their parents worked for. And then later in life, met this woman, never married, but met this woman who already had two children. The woman was a school teacher. And then in her interaction, they decided to get married. So in the course of time, they got married. He wasn't educated because he worked with his parents in the coal mine, so they didn't mind going to school. So she asked this woman to do almost everything. So almost everything that their parents left her as an inheritance they transferred everything to the woman's name. I don't know whether that was deliberate, but I'm just telling you what she, he told me. Whether it was deliberate or whether the woman swindled her because he, she was much more uh, educated. But that was what happened. Then later in life, a few years down the road, he realized that the woman was having an affair. Someone hinted him, just tried to find a way to find out and found out that the woman was really seeing someone else. And, and for that matter, in, in, a, in a couple of weeks, the woman was going to leave the house. So one day, he decided to leave work early and come home. Fortunately, unfortunately, when he came, the woman had parked it. The woman had left school early that day and had come, parked her car, and was packing her belongings into the vehicle. He confronted the woman. The woman wouldn't budge, went in. So as the woman went in to bring more staff, he said where they lived, their parking bay is just in front of their door. So just, something just came into his head crashed this woman against the door and the wall, so drove into the woman, and the woman died instantly. And that is why he was there. And anytime you talk to her, say, I know you are a Christian, because I told them I was a pastor. I know you are a Christian. Well, God forgive me. Say, I was a Catholic. 
And any time I left the place, I asked myself the question, what happened? It might have been just a split second of madness, a split second of pain, some kind of pain that he couldn't control. But it may not be his real nature. The real him may not be the kind of, because if you talk to them, you realize that these are not the kind of people who really go out of their way, take a knife, stab someone multiple times and kill the person. But they did it. And because of that, they are in prison. So in my chat with them, then one of them, I, I told them I lost a son. Then one of them said, oh, you know, so how did your counseling go? It's just having a chat. And I said, which kind of counseling? He said, but you lost a son and you didn't go through any form of counseling. And I said, no, me, I depend on the word of God. Then they started laughing. And they said, but you know, you need counseling. You need, you need, you need, you need, because this thing can actually affect you. You know, you know that. And I laughed it off. But you see, when I left and within the course of time, as I sat down to think about it, I then realized that sometimes you go through certain situations and those situations are left unaddressed and they leave a certain mark on you. They leave something in your life. Something, sometimes it can be positive. Other times, it can be negative. That can actually affect your life and affect those that you live with and those that you interact with. And so it takes you as an individual to become emotionally intelligent enough to understand and recognize your own emotions in order for you to be able to do the same and approach other people with the same level of understanding. Knowing that the same weaknesses that you have, they may also have the same weaknesses. Knowing that the same human frailties you have, they may have the same thing. Knowing that they might have gone through some experiences that have left certain negative indelible marks in their lives that can negatively impact this and impact this. And when we begin to understand each other at that level, trust me, peace prevails. When we begin to understand people at that level, it helps us, whether it's in business or wherever you find yourself, it enables you to be able to live your life meaningfully and affect people positively. Let me tell you something. Jesus, when she met the, he met the woman, he made the decision to look beyond what he was seeing in the woman. He looked beyond he saw beyond, and he heard beyond. If Jesus was just going to listen to what the woman was saying and give the responses back to the woman, uh, the, the response could have been brutal, to shatter the woman once and for all. But with everything the woman said, how can you, how can you a Jew, go have anything to do with me? And then he said, oh, but you don't even know what you are, you, are, you are talking about. Fetch me water and let me drink, and I will give you rivers of living water. The woman said, but, but, but what have you got to fetch this living water? This, this well is deep. What are you talking about? Because are you trying to tell me that the water that you want to give me is better than that? And listen to what the woman said, our, our father Jacob. And Jesus himself is from the same lineage. So you can understand that although there were some commonalities between the two of them, they were far apart because one of them was emotionally damaged. One of them had this feeling of neglect, abandonment, and the things that she has been through has actually formed her into what she was. But Jesus Christ found an emotionally intelligent way to deal with the situation. And in the end, the Bible says that she went into the city and brought the whole city to Jesus. Sometimes you find people in nice suits, nice caftans, driving nice cars, living in nice homes, 
but you have no idea what they are going through. They may be broken. They may be damaged. They may be respected in society, but their self-confidence, their self-esteem, self-worth, and even the very essence of their being alive is hanging by a thread. Don't go about hiding. And these days, people will do all those kind of nonsense, and they think that it is the hype. It is the trend. Don't hide behind your social media handles and tear down people's lives. Because you have no idea what they are going through. Don't use your position of influence to crush people. Because you have no idea why they did what they did. The, 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 I think the latest going on in Ghana was the news last week that a certain lady, uh, socialite or whoever, however they describe them, had been extradited to the, the United States and all that. And you seek all kinds of people. And I asked myself the question, are these people who are doing all these things on these social media handles very sensible at all? The fact that maybe she, she allegedly might have stolen people's money, might have done this, it doesn't give you the right to crush the person any further. Ask yourself, if the person was a biological sister, well, the person was a biological brother, would you treat the person that same way? Why do you hide behind social media handles to crush people whose self-worth, their very essence of living itself is hanging by a thread? I have heard where I live in the United Kingdom, people who were thrown on social media and they committed suicide and killed themselves. I have heard how people jump in front of the train and they, they, they are crashed to death because some people were throwing them. Some people are, 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 are pushing around certain nude videos of them and so on and so forth. Things that they did in secret, they thought no one would find out and all that. They killed themselves. But why would someone put themselves in that position to destroy another person's life? Don't tear people's life down and call it beef. That is what I hear they call it here in Ghana. Don't tear people's life down and call it beef and call it a trend and call it a hype and say it is politics and say that it is a religious pageant. Be emotionally intelligent. Remember, those people may have children. If they don't, they may have spouses. If they don't, they have brothers. If they don't, they may have nieces. They may have cousins. They may have nephews. Remember that when you tear them down, they are not the only ones that go down. If Jesus had treated this woman any different, the whole Samaria city would not come to Christ. But he was very emotionally smart and intelligent and knew how to deal with this woman in such a way that in the end, he was able to build social capital out of this woman. And that came to benefit the kingdom of God. Let me just take you through a few things. A few other lessons and then we'll be out of here. Always learn this. Five things. Number one, people hurt others because sometimes they themselves are hurting. Sometimes people inflict pain because they themselves are in pain. So when people inflict pain on you, when people hurt you, be kind to them. It is not by coincidence. You see, sometimes we don't read the scriptures holistically. There is, there is always a reason why Jesus will tell you, when someone slaps you on the left, turn the right, but don't retaliate. 
There is a reason why Jesus looked at the man that hung on the cross that at, even at the point of death was still accusing Jesus of what he has not done. And Jesus would look up onto these people and say that, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. There is a reason. Why? Because according to the prophecy of Isaiah, this man was going to be a man, of emotion, a man who is emotionally intelligent, and his ministry approach was going to be very gentle. People were hurt because they themselves are hurting. So be kind to people even when they are being hurtful. Number two, people will judge you based on their own experience. Why? Because they think you are like the other people they met. You may mean well, but you realize that sometimes people may meet you and they are very antagonistic for no reason. They don't, just don't like your face. You've done nothing wrong, but they don't like you. All you can do is to like them back. They will judge you on the basis of the experience. This woman... Put Jesus in a certain category because, one, you are a Jew. What have you, a Jew, got to do with me, a Samaritan? Not knowing that the man who gives eternal life was the one she was talking to. Three, people will categorize you and despise you based on what is going on within them. And you are not the cause and you are not the reason. Sometimes people will, 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 will blow up. You are probably just that, 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 that last breaking, they were at that last breaking point. And you were probably that which just broke everything down. This woman was carrying and was struggling with some pain. There was some turmoil that was going on within her for years. And Jesus recognized that she was not the reason why the woman was antagonistic or cheeky or insulting or rude. She, he wasn't the reason. And so he was not bothered about it. What he was bothered about was what can come out of this woman that would be of benefit to him and to the kingdom of God. Usually when people hurt you, usually when people stand up against you, usually when people come against you in some way or form, Always understand that they themselves may be dealing with some things within them for which you are not even the cause and the reason. Because they are struggling with something. They are dealing with something that is bigger, that is much stronger than they can handle. And so sometimes it is their way of trying to break out. It's their way of trying to vent their frustration and their pain out on you. Four. People will sometimes push you out of their lives, not because you did something wrong, but sometimes you are too good to be true in their perception. And people will lose out on wonderful relationships just because there's something about this man, there's something about this woman that mimic that man that used to go out with, that mimic something about that woman that used to go out with, who, like, it, this is how it all started, and now it, that's how it ended. And so because of that, it orients you in a certain way that positions you wrongly to be able to enjoy that which God has presently given to you. People will push you out of their lives, not because you did anything wrong, but just because they think you are too good to be true. And sometimes people say that, you, let's wait for a while and let's see. 
because this one, I can't, be, I can't believe it. This one is happening to me. Because for some of us, good things like this doesn't come close to us. I can't believe this. I, I, I don't believe this thing can happen. And instead of sometimes going with the flow and enjoying what God has made available to you, 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 you put in breaks and you, you, you put in stop gaps and, 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 and hold yourself back from enjoying the entirety or the totality of what God has blessed you with. And the last one. People will sometimes push you away out of their lives because they feel inferior. But there's so much in them that can be a blessing to you. Don't let people's complexes push you out of their lives. You will find out sometimes that some of the people that annoy you the most, maybe at some point in a relationship, and I'm not talking about an amorous relationship, it can be just be friendship, it can be just at the workplace. Eventually, if you are patient, they become your best friends. Because you realize that all that was just some kind of a facade. It is it's some kind of a charade to cover something that they are going through, but they don't know how to manage and to handle it. So you may see them very tough on the outside, but deep within they are very soft. And you may say, oh, this one is too tough. I can't even work with this boss. This boss is too harsh. They may be dealing with something themselves. You, you have no clue. It has nothing to do with you. But if you are patient and you are with them, you realize that it may be the best thing that ever happened to you. Jesus was patient with this woman. In spite of the fact that the woman was being insulted, he was very patient. And God came through for this woman. And Jesus accomplished this purpose. Not only was the woman healed, from this wound that she has been nursing, this inner struggle, this, this feeling of abandonment and uselessness and, and neglect and rejection for all these years, she became a tool that brought many to Christ. Every one of us, no matter where we have come from, no matter what we have been through, no matter what you would go through, you are a candidate for God's divine blessing. What God will do in your life, your past cannot handle it. For what God will do in your life, those who know you and have known you in the past and would say that, ah, I know this sister. And you see, sometimes people can look at the trajectory of your life and can determine, they, even they as human beings can determine how your end is going to be because of where you are coming from and what you have been through. But we come to a God that is able to pick us out from nowhere and make us something or make something out of us. We come to a God who the Bible says that he, 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 he despises that which exalts itself, but rather picks that which is lowly and puts it up on high. We serve a God that the Bible says he picks the foolish things of this world. To confound the wise. A God whose speciality is to be on the garbage dump, always scavenging for things that are broken, that are damaged, things that are destroyed, and making them out into something that he can use for his glory so no man can share in that glory with him. And I'm here to let you know that you are that candidate. Yes, you may be unrefined. There may be parts and aspects of your life that actually always 
becomes a thorn in the flesh of others, brings pain to others, but that story would change. Yes, people may not even understand why you are the way you are, but because of all the things you've been through, the cumulative effect of all the pain, the struggles, and everything that is going on deep inside of you. They may not understand it, and they may think you are not a good person, but I'm here to let you know that God has a different view of you. You may not be perfect, and yet you are a work in progress. This morning, I want you to rise up to your feet, and I want you to do something for me. I want you to hug just hug the person next to you and hold on to the person. You see why you see why you are laughing and all that. We are not we are not used to. We are not big 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 We have a different understanding when it comes to hugging. Those who are hugging onto those of the same sex are comfortable. Those that are hugging onto those of the different sex are uncomfortable. All because of our orientation. I want you to whisper into the ear of that person and tell the person, the person is a woman, tell the person, sis. If the person is a man, tell the person, say, brav. I don't know what you are going through right now. But I'm going to be here for you anytime. And I'm going to stand for you. We live in a time we need one another to build one another up and not to tear one another down. If you find me in a gutter, don't tell me, oh, but I told you he was a preacher. But what happened? Ah, he's drunk. Ah, he's fine. And, and, and pass judgment and pass by. That is even more the reason why you are supposed to reach out to the person and say, oh, but what happened? Come on, come on. You see, there was a reason why when you check through the Bible, there was always an example, parables, that was connected to the Jewish people and the Samaritans. The Bible said that there was a Samaritan that was moving from Jericho to somewhere else. And that's why we call him the good Samaritan. There's a man saw a Jewish man that had been robbed, beaten, and left almost for dead. But the Samaritan who had no business with someone that despised him, yet he was able to take care of him. And there are so many examples. Why? Because Jesus was demonstrating that, listen, we are supposed to be there for one another. We are supposed to build and not tear down. He was the Messiah. He was the Lord. He is the King of Kings. And yet when this woman was being insulted, probably she was, he was just laughing in his head. Say, like, you don't know even what you yourself you are dealing with. The woman felt rejected, abandoned. Can you just imagine the kind of, the, 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 the kind of perception society had of her? Apart from all these historical troubles that she has to deal with. For you to marry five times and be with the sixth one, and the sixth one is not even your husband. Can you imagine in today's Ghana the kind of names you'll be called? 
So probably, 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 by my own speculation, she was even thinking, is this guy also trying to chat me up? She was thinking, is this guy trying to chat me up? So what if, after everything else, she closed up to Jesus Christ? Where would she have received that healing that she was always looking for? She canceled Jesus. She said, this guy's one of those guys. I've already had five. I have the sixth one. If the sixth one, I'm not so sure how this thing is going to end. I don't need a seventh one. Put your hand around someone else's shoulder right now. You see, brotherhood, sisterhood, if there is anywhere where we need to feel the love of God, it's in the house of God. We cannot say that we belong to a house of God. God lives in us and yet we can't even show love. You can't, you, you can't even show love. When you help someone, I remember many years ago, I used, we used to live in a place called Chigwell in on the outskirts of London. And then we came home, we lived in a flat, uh, just across like two flats on the floor. And this guy who I was quite nice with, a white guy who deals in jewelry. He goes all the way. He can, he, the reason why we became friends is that he's, he comes to Africa, buys gold. They've got a jewelry um, a factory that makes the gold into jewelry and they sell and all that. Very nice, nice looking, handsome guy. One day, I came back from prayer meeting from church in the evening. He was drunk. I mean, drunk, flat. His car was not there. So I was wondering, like, why is he here and his car is not there? And then he was called Alex. So I said, Alex, what's going on? And the way he was talking, I knew he was drunk. I said, but where is your car? I mean, it was obvious. They said, oh, my, my friends took the car keys from me and then they dumped me here. So they, someone packed his car and drove him there and left him. So when he's okay, then he can go back from his car at the pub where they went to drink. Then I said, Alex, have you got your keys? He said, no. Because his keys were with his car, the, 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 the bunch of keys, so it's left. I said, how do you get into your house? And he was just by the main door, so I helped him into, ushered him through the main door at least for shelter. I said, should I call a locksmith so he can open then the first question this man asked me, even though he was drunk, he said, why do you want to do this for me? He was not expecting a black man to be thinking so well of him. But he forgets that a black man is a man and a white man is a man before he became a black or became white. Eventually, I called a black, I took yellow pages, it's a some book that called, and I called a locksmith <coughs> at my cost. And broke into his own house, helped him in, and then shut the door. Because it was in the evening. The guy didn't have any spare locks to fix. Just broke it so that he can have access to his, his, his flat and went in. From there, our relationship changed. The guy, although we were, oh, hi, Alex, how are you? Oh, fine. And then I'll, I'll pick my little girl and then probably go and drop her off and all that. The relationship changed. He realized that I was different. 
first question, I was shocked. In fact, when he asked me that question, I was like, is this man okay? He said, why do you want to help me? In your state, even in your drunkenness, you are asking me why I want to help you. Put your hand around the person. Hold the person tight. Let's take this song. There are some of us who are dealing with things that are bigger than ourselves. We may be laughing, but we are dealing with heavy stuff. We may be laughing, but you know, you know that you are a product of pain. You know that you are carrying something deep inside of you that is not allowing you to be all that you have to be. You are a good man, but when you open your mouth, the thing that comes out of your mouth destroys. Not, it wasn't for anything. Listen, if you look at all that David went through, and he said that, I am for peace, but when I speak, there was something that was going on in the man that he himself couldn't explain. I am for peace. But when I speak, then war occurs. He couldn't explain because look at all that he went through. Someone who was minding his business in the backside of the desert, being called anointed. And then all of a sudden, the substantive king says that, ah, you are the one who is coming to replace me. Then starts throwing javelins and scheming his way to destroy your life. And sometimes you think that, oh, when God rescued me and I jumped over this and, and, and I went through this truth and I did this and I did that. But it all leaves some marks, indelible marks of certain situations and certain things in your life that negatively affect your orientation, how you deal with people and how you relate to people. And listen, how you deal with people, relate to people will determine whether they bless you or not. And when I say bless you, I'm not talking about just giving you money. But I'm talking about the input they make into your life. Remember, I mentioned, I said that we don't live for ourselves. Let's do this song. You know it. Yes. <laughs> when I'm down and all my soul so weary When trouble comes and my head's burden be Just put your hand around the person next to you. We all have to ride on the shoulder of someone at some point.
before I walk off the stage. You see, some of these things that I'm talking about, except you have understanding, you, you, you may not catch what I'm talking about. You are the sum total of everything that you have been through. And sometimes people say, oh, this lady talks too much. It's all because of what you have been through. No one was born to talk too much. In fact, the Scottish philosopher John Locke, he said there are only two things that men are born with. The fear of falling from heights and the fear of loud sound. Everything else we learned it. Everything else we have, we are, is by the experiences that we've had. So he calls it tabula rasa, which means that we are all born as blank slates. Everything you are, you picked it up. Some of us were born into compound houses. When Madame A cooks, you can get some to eat. Madame C cooks, you eat. Madame. So you even grow up. You get married. And by the time you get home, you've already eaten. You've passed through all your friends' houses with eating. And it is a problem you are dealing with. You don't know that when your wife cooks for you and you don't eat it, that alone is a different tearful war that you have to fight. Listen, everything, these things may look like a joke, but everything you are is as a result of everything, the sum total of everything you've been through. This morning, my time is up, but before I walk off the stage, you are here, you are dealing with some things in your life. I'm not talking about what people have done to you. I'm not talking about what demons are doing. I'm talking about the struggles that you yourself, you have within you. Some of you are afraid to start a business. You know there have been prophecies. There have been things that have been spoken over your life. You know that I can start a business. I, 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 I feel I can. But there's something also within that restrains me. Because there's some fear. Something is holding me back. I want you to come forward. You are dealing with something. I'm not just talking about, I'm using this just as an example. But you are dealing with something. You don't understand why when you open your mouth, it's all insults. You are a good person. You are a loving person. You love people. People love you. But, but any time you open your mouth, the worst that comes out of your mouth hurts people. You don't understand why. It's destroying relationships. You've lost jobs out as a result of that. And sometimes you turn around and say, as for me at my workplace, nobody likes me. I don't even understand. And then we, we start binding demons. The, the demon, is not, it's not a demon. It is everything that you've been through. It's from within. I'll tell you something. There is a movie that I watched years ago. I cried throughout. And I, since, since then, I've watched that movie more than 10 times. In Pursuit of Happiness. The main character being Will Smith and his son. There was a statement, you know, it's based on a true story. There is a statement that the man, the, the man that the story was made about, getting to the end of the movie, he narrates his own story in his own voice at some point. He's, he made a statement that hit me. And anytime I remember, I cry. He said, When I was in high school, I was doing so well. What I'm making is, and there's something within me that told me I'll become significant in life. But everything that I was going through in my life was in the opposite direction. So sometimes you know 
greatness is beckoning. You know there is greatness bestowed and thrusted upon you, but there is a struggle. Something is restraining you just because of all the things you've been through. And it's not a demon. It is sometimes it is you and the things you've been through and the struggles and the pain you've been through. It's not allowing you to let yourself go. Take some risks. Whilst you are here, I just want you to lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands. Mahado Whatever struggles that you are going through this morning, as I lay hands on you, I pray that the power of God will free you to be able to step into what God has prepared for you in the name of Jesus let there be healing right now by the power of the Holy Spirit let there be healing right now any struggles within I pray that the power of God set you loose and free right now in the name of Jesus be free right now let every struggle be broken let every pain of rejection that is holding you back in the name of Jesus be loosed right now. Let every pain of rejection for Jesus opened his arms to you and says come in confidence just as you are. Come. Do not be afraid say yes the Lord. Do not be afraid for what is past. Learn to step out of the past and move forward. For I have cleared the path ahead of you that I'll cause my glory to be seen in your life. For say the Spirit of God, strengthen your hands and your feet and step forward. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let there be healing right now. Let there be healing. In the name of Jesus. Let there be healing. By the authority that it is in the name of Jesus. Let there be healing. Let there be healing right now. Let there be healing. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let there be healing. Let there be healing right now. A touch of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Let there be healing right now. Let there be healing in the name of Jesus right now be healed right now a touch of the holy spirit in the name of jesus for say as the spirit of god i am taking you to a new level i am taking you to a place where you shall not be held back put fear behind you and step out i will make it big i will make it more glorious I will establish you and make you a sign and a wonder in your generation. For many will ask that where has this boy also come from? For see the spirit of God, I have earmarked you for this great thing that I will do. It shall be. It shall be. Lose yourself. Say the spirit of God and step into it. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, let there be a release right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let there be a release in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be a release right now. Every power that holds you back, 
I command it to be loosed right now. Everything that you have been through. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be released right now. Divine healing, divine healing right now. In the name of Jesus, a touch of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say the Spirit of God, I have made you a fruitful field. And everything that is planted is supposed to grow. Stop holding yourself back out of doubt of what I am able to do. Hold on to my promises. They are sure, they are yea, they are amen. They shall come to pass. For in my time and in my season, I make all things beautiful. It is a new season. It is a new day for you. Say as the Spirit of God. Manduri amakasta arimikotua akada ikorosiata kadahas. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let every hold of the enemy be broken right now. In the name of Jesus, anything that holds you back, even in your mind, I lose it this morning. I break its hold over you. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, receive. Receive that strength to step in that which God has placed before you. For see the Spirit of God, I have placed before you a great and a mighty door. You have stood behind this door for far too long because of fear and doubt of what if could happen. For I have sent my angel ahead of you. Step through that door for a new beginning. Say yes, the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for the release from everything that holds this man back by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be released right now. Be released in the name of Jesus. Be released in the name of Jesus. Be released by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be set loose right now. Be released in the name of Jesus. Be released by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maria Katuza Antelibikokua Zakadaha for say as the spirit of God you were rejected once twice and three times but I am taking you to a new season a new time therefore don't let the experience of the past hold you back from where I am taking you to Mandiri it's a new season for you it's a new season for you with boldness step into it for I have made this possible Step into, embrace it. Say yes, the Spirit of God. Father, let there be a release by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything that holds him back, set him loose right now. Release him. Release him right now. In the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let every power and anything that holds you back be broken in the name of Jesus. Let the hand of God speed up any delays in your life. Mandi Karua Sakata, Limi Iko Iatalamasua Kabantoria Akandi Ribikoto Zaba Antai. Today I cancel every form of delay in your life and I propel you into your future of glory, elevation, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Let there be a release right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything that holds you back, be let loose in the name of Jesus. Anything that holds you back, be let loose right now. 
I pray for the release of the power of the Spirit of God upon you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For say the Spirit of God by these hands. I'll work mighty things. And I'll do great works. Do not be afraid for the opposition that you are facing right now. For I am ushering you into a new season and a new day. For whatever your hand touches shall turn into gold. People shall be amazed. The problems that you shall solve with your hands. And they shall wonder why. It is because I the Lord has made it possible. And have placed it deep inside of you. Only be bold. Ignore the naysayers. Ignore those that are talking behind you. Focus on what I have placed in your hands. For it is your pathway to elevation. Mato zabraandi katasa. Let the power of the Holy Spirit loose you right now in the name of Jesus. Just lift up your hands wherever you are. Just lift up your hands.